On the show today, we'll answer some of your questions and comments, including what a Tyler Courtney outlaw rookie season could look like, what's up with LaSalle Speedway, and how do drivers dominate? Let's go. It's Thursday, October 13th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. I've talked a few times about doing a mailbag episode, and I'm sort of going to do that today. I've got a few questions to get to, plus some news. We've got some racing stuff, uh, so let's just get right into it. First, I saw a comment recently from Adam about Tyler Courtney's prospects if he were to move up to the World of Outlaws next season. Uh, his basic point was that, they, uh, that he thinks that he won't do well. Uh, and he might be right, especially early on. The transition into full-time outlaw competition is obviously really difficult, and it often takes a few seasons of racing before guys really start to have some success. So I wanted to dive into the numbers a bit and see where Sunshine would potentially be next season if he does indeed move up. And we can also compare this hypothetical jump to what we saw from Aaron Reitzel in 2021 before that whole chassis tubing thickness fiasco. Courtney has now won the last two All-Star Championships, picking up 16 wins, 63 top fives, and 84 top tens in 105 races. Winning the title in 2021 was incredible, as it was his first real full season out on the road with a winged series. He did stumble down the stretch last year, but he'd done so well through the summer that those last eight or nine races really didn't hurt his title chances. What was good to see, though, was that team did get better for 2022. There are a few stats that were down, like heat race wins and laps led, uh, but the differences are super small, and Courtney was able to make up for it in a lot of other places. The big one, uh, the, the big one I see is, uh, in terms of improvement is average finish. A year ago, the 7BC was right around 7th for average finish, uh, while in 2022, it was 5.5. That's a significant jump from season to season. Both his top 5 and top 10 percentages were better, qualifying average and feature start average were better, and his efficiency numbers were much improved. When it comes to having success with these series, that consistency is going to be super important. And along with the two full All-Star seasons, Courtney has made scattered outlaw appearances uh, over the last couple of seasons as well. In 2021, it was 18 races. So far in 2022, it's 16. His results are pretty mixed. 17 top 10s in 34 starts. Uh, he does have that King's Royal victory, but also a lot of finishes down the order as well. Obviously, 17 top 10s in 34 races means 17 finishes outside the top 10 in 34 races. He's qualifying much better this season than he did in 2021 with the Outlaws, and he's starting features better, but they have struggled come feature time. Their average feature finishes down, as is their plus minus. And if we use Aaron Reitzel as a comparison, in 2020 with the All-Stars, Reitzel averaged a 7th place finish en route to the championship. For 2021, Reitzel went full-time Outlaw racing with Roth Motorsports, and ran the first 50 races uh, in that year before getting the boot after his car was discovered to be out of spec for its chassis tubing. If you remember, he gets busted, gets like a month-long suspension, and then in the middle of that gets dropped by Roth. We'll use those first 50 races that season as the comparison. In those races, Reitzel had an average finish of 9.38. And if you're a Dirt Tracker Plus subscriber, you know that I track a, a difficulty metric between the Outlaws and the All-Stars that you can see anytime on the dashboard. I use an, uh, an index of drivers that run both series and track their average feature finish and how often they make features with both. The index right now finishes about 2.3 positions worse with the Outlaws, and that number aligns almost exactly with Reitzel's from 2020 to 2021. 
His average finish from 2020 with the All-Stars to 2021 with the Outlaws, the difference there is 2.36. So if we take Courtney's 5.54 average finish this season, if you add 2.33 to it, we get 7.87. An average finish around 8th would put Courtney in that battle for 5th this season. Uh, Sheldon Hodgeshield is in 5th right now, Logan Schuhart 6th, and Courtney would kind of be right in the mix there. Last year, Reitzel would have projected out to around 8th place uh, in the point standings if he would have finished out the season with that average finish he was on. If we go straight off of Courtney's average feature finish in 2022, he'd be between Jacob Allen and Brock Zierfoss right now. So for next season, I think you could probably project him somewhere in between. I think 6th to ninth is probably most realistic, which I don't think equates to him getting his butt kicked. I think that's both reasonable and respectable for a first year, and I think you could probably throw a couple of wins in there as well. All of these numbers I've talked about, uh, you can see for yourself in the analytics section over at dirttracker.com. Uh, next topic slash question here. Uh, Mark asked recently about the future of LaSalle Speedway, and unfortunately, I don't have a lot of clarity for you on this one. That track did operate in 2021, but there hasn't been anything there this season. Their Facebook page said back in March that they didn't have anything scheduled for the year, and that hasn't changed since then. Their usual thought brawl was moved to Davenport, so no Mars shows. They had no Summer Nationals this year and no weekly racing, it seems. I couldn't seem to find anything about the track being sold to a new group or closed permanently, so it seems LaSalle is kind of just in flux right now. I wish I had a better answer for you on that one. In my YouTube comments about a week ago, Mel mentioned Sprint Car Channels on YouTube and asked why a car owner wouldn't be interested in someone like a Tanner Holmes because of his sizable following on the platform. It's an interesting question and something to consider for team owners for sure. What it really comes down to, though, is money and sponsorship. I don't want to speak for Tanner on this as I don't know what his future plans or ambitions are, but the opportunity to get into another car is going to be about what a driver can bring to the table. A big YouTube following isn't going to matter if it doesn't help that team get up and down the road. I'm sure that it's probably helped Tanner get some extra support because of his following, and we know that the Hunt the Front guys continue to grow and do more because of their audience. That following needs to be leveraged, though, into partners that can be brought to a team. I'm not crapping on these car owners here at all these days either, but it is much easier for them to put someone in the seat who brings money versus trying to sell sponsorship on their own and then go find a driver. And for a driver like Tanner that races a family car, there are choices to be made here. Would they rather spend that money on their own team and try and grow, or do they take that funding to someone else? It's a classic decision. Uh, that's been around motorsports for years. Obviously, that decision has nothing to do with social media. At the end of the day, what really matters is that funding. Some use family members, others network really well, and still others can leverage, uh, leverage their prowess on social media. And my final mailbag question today is from Ed. Uh, he was curious how we can see drivers, uh, you know, how these drivers are able to have such dominant seasons from time to time. He mentions Kyle Larson from 2020, Brent Marks this year. And he points to things like engines and tire rules as things that should promote parity. And this is a question that I don't think has just one answer. For example, I don't think you can compare what Larson did in really both 2020 and 2021 to many other seasons. 2020 was so good because he just focused on dirt after losing his NASCAR ride. He's incredibly gifted in a race car and allowing him to just run dirt races for an entire season showed what he's really capable of. He didn't have NASCAR. Uh, if he didn't have NASCAR, I don't see any reason why those results that we've seen from him on dirt wouldn't continue. And I think Marx is an interesting one here as well. In terms of money, one, he's had an amazing season, sitting at over $600,000 earnings and some big wins. But those guys have had some tough races as well. Recent crashes at Port Royal and Williams Grove are examples of that. Hasn't just all been uh, easy sledding for those guys. 
Marx's average finish in outlaws, uh, outlaw shows this season is actually down from 2021. I do think, though, what you've seen from Brent uh, is a lot about chemistry. They found a good combination, obvi- uh, obviously, of equipment. They've got support from owners and sponsors. And he and crew chief Heath Mill have really gel- uh, gelled this season. Those intangibles play a big role when guys have good runs. Look at Brad Sweet. He, crew chief Eric Prutzman, uh, car chief Joe Mooney, tire guy Andrew Bowman have all been together for several seasons now. And that combination just works really well. Ed also asked about whether or not engines are really fair in sprint car racing and if it's possible to bring something larger than a 410. I'm sure it's probably happened, but the series do pump engines periodically throughout the season. They also check things like wings, tires, and ignition boxes. All right, if you have a question for a future episode like this, feel free to send them my way. Email, DMs, on YouTube, whatever works for you, and we'll get those collected up. A few things before we close out. First, the Speed Showcase weekend at Port Royal for the Short Track Super Series was supposed to start today, but a poor forecast has led to Thursday's action being canceled. Teams will get a Friday morning practice session before racing begins tomorrow night. If you want to see some midget racing tonight, the Extreme Outlaw Series kicks off their final 2022 weekend with a stop at Port City Raceway. They've got the Donnie Ray Crawford Sooner State 55 tonight before they will race Friday and Saturday at I-44 Riverside. Zach Dom currently leads the championship over Bryant Wiedemann and Brandon Crouch and is trying to close it out these next three nights. If you can't get to Port City, the racing is live over on Dirt Vision. And finally, the NARC 410 Sprint Cars out west have two races this coming weekend, Friday at Hanford for the Anthony Simone Classic and Saturday at Thunderbolt Raceway for the Dennis Roth Classic. A pair of all-star invaders are headed west to challenge the California guys. Bill Baylog and Justin Peck are expected to campaign entries from Clayton Snow and Snow Racing. The all-star season has concluded and both drivers were winners this year. Peck finished second in the standings to Tyler Courtney with Baylog in sixth. Uh, Both NARC Knights will be live over on Flow Racing. Speaking of streaming, seven shows on today's schedule. Dirt Vision has the Extreme Outlaw Midgets from Port City. Fast 4 has action from Lemoore Speedway. Speed Sport has racing from Lernerville and Batesville. The Cushion has micros from Sweet Springs. and XR has the Iowa Dirt Nationals. And there is Flow Racing 24-7. To see the full daily streaming schedule with links to watch, visit dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. That's it for the show today. Have a good Thursday. Please hit that like button and subscribe to the show if you do not do so already. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow for more Dirt Tracker Daily.